We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Dave Funlico. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Funlico, and I'm joined by the OG, the man himself, Travis May. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. If you are joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show about the journey of the best football players and prospects from being a college football recruit all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, of course, we talk about fantasy football and everything in between. That A little bit of betting here and there, but really we're talking fantasy football. We've got you covered for college. We've got you covered for NFL and the transition. Um, but it is so good to be talking um, with you, Travis. And we've got another college focus episode here. We're kind of checking in mid-season here um, on the risers, fallers, a couple of freshmen maybe, and underclassmen that we're excited about. It's going to be a fun episode. As always, it is really good to talk to you. Uh, this time, you know, you're back at home, not not sitting in that huge office. So uh, yeah, man, how yeah. you doing? Life's been crazy for you, I'm sure. But uh, man, it, it's always good to sit down and talk, sit down and talk a little football with you. Yeah, man, it's been an adventure over the past few weeks, just uh, figuring out new uh a new job and uh, just traveling a couple of times to New York City for product launch for Mojo, just getting everything uh, off the ground and running there for the college football side of things. Uh, you know, the first college football stock market. So it's been pretty cool to see people really diving in and just loving uh, interacting with that and, and just going all in. Like there have been some crazy I mean, I can't. I don't think I can even technically talk about it, but it's been, it's been some. It's been crazy to see like the, the confidence that some of these people have in some of these college quarterbacks. Man, it's uh, it. like anytime, anytime like some big order comes in, I let somebody else on the on like the team know. Like, man, this just came in on so and so. They're like, oh my gosh, that better be their mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it'll be <laughs> fun, fun to just see how that continues to grow and expands, and uh, uh, you know. I mean, it'd be cool to see if like that kind of integrates um, or makes its way into conversations for fantasy football. It's like, well, the mojo, the mojo value is like so and so. Like, I, I really hope it gets to that point because um, I feel like what we have, what we have, is really cool and and it really has true value um, outside of just fantasy space and things like that. So, yeah, man, wow. it's been fun just creating something from from scratch and uh, 
and then seeing it go go to work. Uh, it's an amazing team just uh, that made it possible. So, but uh, glad to kind of be, you know, starting to, you know, just get back to normal and getting into some kind of routine with it. So I can actually, you know, have our normal night to record with you where I'm not uh, traveling or something weird. Right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully it, it, it coming to the great state of Colorado. I feel like, you know, we're fairly progressive here. Give it to us. Like we're ready for it. I mean, I'm not ready for it at all. I've, I've, I'm going to need uh, to, to, to really look and see what I'm doing before I just like spend all the money I have on, 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 on May. <laughs> uh, Cause I, I love Drake May. Drake May. And uh, <laughs> you will be like, I think Drake May's mom is, and it's gonna be me. <laughs> it's gonna be me. Drake May's uh, mom. I didn't know she lived in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I podcast with her. <laughs> yeah, so, crazy. But yeah, I love oh Drake May, and, and we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into him um, as as well as some of these other great uh, underclassmen. Um, but man, I I feel like we would be uh, remiss if we didn't start. I mean, we are just coming off of one of the best college football weekends that I can remember. In a real long time, I was talking Dude. to uh, oh, uh, Matt on um, on the betting podcast. We had a guest on Colby Dant from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Go check that out; he's fantastic. Uh, but we were just talking about that Bama Tennessee game, and man, when 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 Dallas Turner picked up that uh, had that scoop and score, I thought it was game over. I thought, man, Bama was down big. They came back. Now they get this big defensive touchdown. It just felt like oh, Alabama found a way again. Because they always do. And uh, man, uh, I was in New Mexico, so I couldn't live bet. And God, I'm glad I couldn't because I would have sold a farm on Alabama <laughs> after that play. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think pregame, like the money line bet just straight up with with Tennessee uh, ranged from like plus 260 or 70 all the way up to plus 300, depending on the book. So you could have really. Uh, I got it at things. 290. I got I got I got Tennessee at 290. That was a actually that was a bet on the show that I did. So that was fun. Um, nice. but, uh, yeah, yeah I would have, I would have hedged, I would have hedged and went all in on Bama <laughs> and then lost. Yeah. So thank goodness you didn't, but, uh, my goodness, what a, what a crazy weekend, right? I mean, 52 to 49, uh, Tennessee beats Alabama first time in 15 years and throws and Hendon Hooker throws five touchdowns to the same wide receiver. Six catches, five of them <laughs> touchdowns. I mean, get out of here. It's in, I mean, it's just nuts. So to see, see that happen. And really, there was so many matchups, like marquee matchups, that uh, were just just crazy score fests, like the USC Utah game. What did uh, you think of that two point conversion? Uh, you know, honestly, that was that surprised a lot of people. But if you think you were the worst team, uh, and you like you play the game longer, and you think you're going to lose, I get going for two right there, trying to win it all. But the, the thing was, there was actually still plenty of time remaining, so. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was it was odd, but bold move and Cameron Rising just pulling it off. So bravo to him. Yeah, uh, it's fun. potentially derailing USC's playoff hopes. We'll see. They still have time to you know they could still come back here. But and then even like Michael Penix, man, Michael Penix and Jaden Delora both in the same game posting like 99th percentile efficiency marks uh, as passers. And oh man, it was just there's so much just high octane, crazy, crazy football. Like TCU, Oklahoma State, like. TCU was down at what was it 30 to 14 something yeah. crazy like that 30 to 16 and then ended up coming back forcing overtime and then and then winning the game like it was it was non-stop unbelievable action and because I was up in New York for our uh mojo college football stock market launch I, I had six games on at a time oh that's uh, watching all of them 
And so, <laughs> and, and if I missed anything, because we have like a bunch of stuff like with YouTube TV and everything. So like I, I was able to, you know, have everything on my, my computer, have more games on another computer and then like rewind anything. If, if I missed any play, it was just, I mean, it was, it was, it was heaven. So <laughs> I love it, <laughs> got man. to see basically all of it. That's so good. That's so good. Well, uh, why don't we go ahead and, uh, and jump into some of the risers and fallers. Um, I, I'd like to, I mean, we always kind of go through this in the same order, quarterback, wa- running back, wide receiver, and then, you know, 14 seconds on tight end. But uh, let's, you mean, you, you mentioned him already, uh, Hendon Hooker throwing those touchdown passes. I mean, we talked about you. you we talked about him a little bit before the season got going here as kind of a dark horse guy, someone who we thought would rise. Um, maybe not to this height, though. Uh, what do you think uh, the outlook on Hendon Hooker is? Do you think this past week has changed? Um, again, we're, we're for the purposes of this show, we're, we're often talking about draft capital, right? So yeah. do you think having that performance in the biggest stage, I mean, I saw that this was the highest, um, like the most highly viewed game of the season so far. No surprise there, right? I mean, Tennessee, shocking Bama, huge high scoring game. It was a fun game to watch. Who wouldn't want to watch it? But do you think having this many people watching this game, do you think this elevates Hendon Hooker, uh, his his draft capital at all? I mean, I I think it it does somewhat. Um, Like if if we... We're just like talking about uh, mojo value. <laughs> right. I, it it, it uh, his share price leaped like thirteen percent on our system. Uh, so I mean, lot, lots of people intrigued, obviously, by uh, by Hendon Hooker actually going off against Alabama. And I think any singular game, when you look at the grand scheme of a quarterback's profile, I mean, like you know, the the good ones who play a long time and start a long time. We're talking about like you know forty games or more. And so like it's one game of of 39 others you know and so it's like two and a half percent of their entire profile but yes it was a hugely meaningful game so yes it's going to shift their you know mean outcome and the prob- probability distribution of where they would go in a, in a draft projection but um it's not like oh he's automatically a top 10 pick now and so yeah i think we you know damp- dampen the, those level of expectations but it does seem to me right now that it's it's a it's kind of a four quarterback race this year. Um, you know, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young atop the list. Uh, Will Levis, I'm coming around around on him, but I think some people want to have him in the top ten overall discussion already. And then Hendon Hooker is is working his way up into that discussion. Once you get past that QB four mark, uh, it seems like it's it's kind of a mess. Like there's all sorts of directions you could go, but Hendon Hooker has definitely risen and and kind of separated himself. Uh, from that that other tier of quarterback, it seems. Yeah, it, it it really does, and I'm here for it. I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. I mean, I just like high scoring football, so so give me give me all of Tennessee uh, injected into my veins. Um, another quarterback who had a, a has had a very interesting year, uh, kind of riddled by injuries here and there, um, but after losing their primary receiving target. Uh, to the NFL last year, KJ Jefferson, do you think he's doing enough um, this year to kind of warrant uh, some, some NFL buzz? Yeah. KJ Jefferson is a a guy who uh, I think the world's kind of split on right now. Uh, A lot of people, casual fans might not even be super familiar with KJ Jefferson because he's, you know, Arkansas's quarterback. But when you look at his profile, 
Uh, he's a very good rusher, like not the most efficient rusher, but he can uh, take on a lot of volume. Like he's got, I think, 90-ish carries on the season this year. Uh, and to go with like top tier elite level passing, I think it's uh, over 10 adjusted yards per pass attempt at this point. And so uh, when you look at his profile from any any lens at all, like he's got a really strong profile as a rusher and an efficient passer. Um, and he's now he's doing it without Traylon Burks to lean on this year. So KJ Jefferson seems like he's somebody who's rising up the ranks. And I mean, like I, I know some like, like SEC referees personally, and they, they talk to all the coaches and the SEC uh, coaches collectively are very high on KJ Jefferson. So uh, that, that, that carries weight with me. So I think he's going to probably surprise and, and go earlier in the draft than many of us might think right now. What does that, what does that mean? Do you think? Cause I, I wouldn't even know, I wouldn't even know what day to guess for KJ as far as day draft day capital. Well, right now I think uh, the consensus would be early day three. Um, because he's got a good enough draft uh, profile to be draftable. But frankly, it's very difficult to actually have a profile in today's NFL that says, hey, you deserve to go day two. Um, we've seen some very good profiles and very good quarterbacks drop to day three. Uh, but I think he's kind of on that fringe right now. He's probably right there, could go day two, uh, probably you know early day three right now. But if a team likes him, uh, could sneak up into you know pick 70-ish kind of range. Uh, but it, it's still hard to tell because if he finishes the way that he is going right now, uh, he's probably going to be a day two guy. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that sounds, that sounds interesting enough. Uh, someone who, you know, it was pretty much, you better, you better be on this list of risers. Otherwise you're going to be uh, benched and we're going to let the freshman take a shot. And that's DJU. And he's someone that I, uh, I was hedging my bets on him. I, I thought, I mean, we talked about him earlier this year too. I was in on DJ. I thought he would be the starter for the whole year. Did not think he was going to lose the job. Um, and I've been really, really pleased to see that like my uh, bet on him. I mean, I've got him in a like a- almost every startup C to C league I'm in. I have DJU because he was going late enough. Um, so he's not putting up uh, amazing numbers um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um He's got, you know, I mean, 17 to two touchdown to interception uh, ratio is fantastic, but he's only thrown for, you know, 1600 yards, a little more. Uh, What are your thoughts on DJU? Do you think, I mean, I'm guessing that you're not thinking he's an early, uh, early first round quarterback anymore. Like we once maybe hoped and thought um, after that, you know, freshman campaign where he came in and played a few games, but where, where are you kind of at? What's the, what's your take on DJU? Do you think, um, he could continue to climb. People continue to buy in, and he could get back into the the beginning of the first round. Yeah, I think uh, people are really hard uh, adjusting to new information after they've kind of been ingrained in one particular take. And last year uh, really killed DJU stock for a lot of people who just feel casually like, watched the sport. I feel like he should be able to sue Elliot, the OC there at Clemson. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> look, man. You ruined my life. So yeah. I almost lost my. I almost only had a Dr. Pepper commercial to my name. Oh my gosh! Seriously though, it's just I don't. It, it's crazy to me, like the the lack of window dressing on that offense and the lack of well, anything creative in that offense. Um, it's just really, really disgusting. Uh, I, I, it's almost indefensible what they're running uh, at Clemson. So 
um, they just don't do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess I, I it's just, it's like they're living in an alternate universe uh, offensively, um, you know, trying to run an offense that, that was working for them a decade plus ago. Uh, but man, it's just, I cannot imagine like how ticked uh, he's got to be. Like just simple things like the, the percentage of the time that they actually run play action or any pre-snap motion. There's just not a lot of schematic help for DJ. Like he, he's below average in pre-snap motion marks uh, and, and play action, things like that, that kind of help. Uh, even like screen usage, like they, they kind of go to, um, you know, Antonio Williams every once in a while, but like just really odd decisions uh, from like passing concept purposes. And so, but even so, he's like, he's like, okay, I don't care. I'm just going to put my head down and uh, chuck the ball w- with incredible accuracy. Uh, one thing I learned uh, here recently is that NFL teams actually do care about uh, pro, football, pro football focus, uh, regardless of whatever we want to say about, um, you know, like their grades and, and those being kind of hard to comprehend as they, well, frankly, objectively are. Uh like th- there are key advanced stats that that mean a lot to NFL teams, and so turnover worthy plays, uh, that's one that kind of comes up uh, a lot in conversation with analytics departments and things like that. And um, it's funny to me uh, that uh, you know we we kind of like just looked at DJU's like eight out last year and uh, how he kind of basically fell apart after the Georgia game and thought, oh, he's like he's just not even the same guy. He can't throw deep or anything like that. He's thrown the ball like there have been like forty two pass attempts. Uh, 20 plus yards downfield and he has zero turnover worthy plays on those attempts that's amazing year. i mean it's incredible Especially like his he struggled with if I, i'm not looking at his numbers right now but if i recall last year the, the interceptions went way up and that was a yes. pretty big concern so seeing that adjustment seems like a, a pretty significant uh yeah his decision making is so much better and his wide receiver core is not really that much better other than the fact that they just added a, well a speedster who can actually separate a little bit on his own and antonio williams uh their true freshman who was already their clear wide receiver one uh and by the end of the season probably puts up some really bonkers numbers for them that's huge uh, so it helps that he has at least one guy that's not, uh, you know, a six foot four tree that can't separate. So that probably helps a little bit. But yeah. he's also just clearly a, a much different player, uh, much more comfortable in the pocket. And I think uh, as much as, uh, you know, he hasn't actually had, you know, the crazy numbers because he hasn't, uh, you know, really passed as much. Uh, he's just really comfortable and confident when they ask him to run, when they, when they scheme runs for him. He just loves getting into that clearly. Like he just will. <laughs> And, you know, long term, you don't want to see them do that that much. But I mean, he doesn't mind just like three yards in a cloud of dust, knock over a linebacker and get five yards. You know, like it's not pretty, uh, but uh, it's almost like that aspect of the game has just kind of helped him just get into football mode or something. I don't know. What to, I don't know how to quantify that, um, but it, it's been a lot of fun to see his improvement. And it's incredible because he's become one of the best deep ball passers in the game this year. So. Right now, QB five ish maybe, but uh, he's rising. So if Clemson makes a playoff, like holy cow, like he's right back in it. Yeah, I want to kind of pivot. I'm going to move off the show sheet here and throw a name at you because I'm curious where you have him. I've been pretty low on him, but according to uh, Mel Kiper Jr., he's the number two quarterback in this class, and I'm talking about Kentucky's own Will Levis. Um, I'm way way down on him i don't think he will be a good college i mean i don't think he'll be a good professional football player at all uh where are you on this uh kind of 
curious to see your stand. I don't think we've, other than making jokes about him eating banana peels and putting mayonnaise in his coffee, I don't think we talked about him much. So I'm coming around on him just because he he has shown uh, key improvements in terms of just his overall advanced metric profile. Uh, it's definitely the weakest among the ones uh, you know being considered for early draft capital. But he's not so, actually going number two, is he? Like that's ridiculous, right? I mean that that is ridiculous, but the NFL has done more ridiculous things. <laughs> um, yeah, but, maybe so, I'm yeah. ridiculous for thinking that people will uh, use logic and sound reasoning when making draft selections. Yeah, that's that's a that's a wild assumption with the yeah. NFL. Although Especially have, being a Jacksonville fan. <laughs> yeah. They have actually gotten a whole lot better uh thanks to I think uh, just a, an appreciation and, and embracing uh advanced analytics. Uh they have gotten better. Um but Will, Will Levis overall has gotten better too. Like prior to this year, his peak uh, passing profile uh, would have been like, and uh, if he were to be a first round pick, it would have been the second weakest first round profile uh, from a passing perspective um, since 2016. Uh, the only one worse would have been Daniel Jones. Uh, Josh Allen was just ahead of him, uh, but you know Josh Allen broke at, at basically everyone's models. Uh, but basically, the, the, it would not have been good. And so uh, he's coming around. Uh, you know, I haven't looked at his schematic adjusted uh, scheme adjusted pass efficiency just yet uh, where that falls, but I know it's over the, the 80th percentile. So that's the minimum threshold if he holds this pace uh, to see at least day two capital. But um, yeah, he's, he's still got some warts on him for sure. Some, some questions I have. So it's a little odd that he's just so clearly and definitively, oh, he's the QB two or three. It's like, man, really? Yeah, yeah, it's hard for me to stomach. Um, but I'm again, I was wrong about Josh Allen. I've said that plenty of times. Um, I wasn't a believer in him, so I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like I hear the nation screaming at me right now because I have not mentioned the quarterback with the most passing yards to date, and that is the man with big Penix energy. I love it when RG3 says that, it's like my favorite thing in the world. Uh, Michael Penix <laughs> at Washington. Man, he's really, I mean, they're not winning as much. It was a lot more fun when Washington was getting those uh, wins and kind of getting excited about what Penix could be. That's kind of dried up, but he's still producing. Granted, some of it's been in garbage time the last couple of weeks, but um, Penix seems to be uh, at least getting the numbers. What are your thoughts on him? Um, you know, do you think that uh, his time in Washington will kind of um, outshine what he was doing in Indiana or do you think you know combined with what he was doing in Indiana it's it's still good enough combined with what he did at Indiana back in 2019 right. I think this is a fun story because 2019 and I mean I don't know if I've talked about it on this this podcast or not but you know that's when he had Kalen DeBoer uh, as his offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach and you know Kalen DeBoer left went to Fresno State Michael Penis had three season ending injuries back to back to back and uh, and then, of course, Kalen DeBoer moves from Fresno State, uh, brings a more fun offense to Washington and says, you know what? That Michael Penix guy was incredible. I should go grab him. I know I've got a five star waiting in the wings who's a legacy kid, but I'm going to go grab Michael Penix to be my starter from day one. Yeah. Uh, and so he reinstalls, you know, basically same offense um, with better weapons than, than Penix had at Indiana. And that was the perfect marriage because. 
Penix knows the offensive system. He knows the quarterback. I mean, he knows the the coach. Uh, has great weapons. Always had the tools. Once he was, I mean, when he was really healthy. So, yeah, he's absolutely in the mix to to get some real draft capital. I I don't think it's uh, safe to say that he's anywhere near round one or round two two. But uh, he would be intriguing. You know, any anytime after, you know, middle of round three. Realistically, right now, probably day day three. But he's definitely got a draftable profile at this point. Yeah, that's. I think it's like you said, it's an awesome story. Um, a, a guy who's been around for it seems like ever uh, with Chip Kelly um, in UCLA, uh, really putting a solid, solid year together. Uh, UCLA looks really, really good right now. Um, I think this uh, road game against Oregon this upcoming weekend is going to be super interesting. Uh, what do you think of Dorian Thompson Robinson? Do you think? Um, he's putting in enough together because uh, it's fun to watch. I don't know if it translates to the NFL, but uh, he's been he's been super fun. And I wouldn't say he's been a surprise. I think uh, we we kind of all like DTR, and, and we kind of were were curious about what it could look like. And maybe like, is this the fifth year that he's with with Chip Kelly? I'm not sure, but you know, he's got 15 touchdowns to to two um, interceptions. He's he's added a bunch more on the ground. Uh, thoughts on DTR? Sure. I mean, like it, it's always fun uh, when somebody blows up like this in like year five and uh, especially one that back in the day we were really hyped up about because mm-hmm. he yeah. was like a, just barely missed the threshold for like a consensus five-star kind of quarterback. And so we knew for a long time that the, that the talent was there and he had all, he's had all these starts uh, to prove himself. Uh, but it's a little odd that, you know, it's, it's this late of a breakout where he's really having a, you know, Heisman-esque kind of season like he's way up there in the betting odds for Heisman right now um but I think it's it's really boosted by the fact that his average of the target is like below six yards like it's a bunch of quick stuff and like he's and a lot he's of it's a Charbonnet to, too yeah it, it is it's to, it's to running backs it's to um you know, you know yak receivers that are they're really kind of helping his profile um and so it, it part of it is that their personnel really called for that because you know, they lost, uh, what's his face, Kyle Phillips. They lost uh, Greg Dulcich. They lost um, a couple other pieces. They, they've got transfer receivers and uh, younger receiving options in. And so they're having to lean on uh, different guys and just kind of go underneath quite a bit more. And so that's not really all on Dorian Thompson Robinson. It's just like they, they understand their personnel. And so they know where they can win. And so they're targeting more underneath. That doesn't mean that he can't pass and he can't pass deep. It's just that that's not what he's. That's not what he's done this year. It's not um, what he's he, being asked to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think um, I, I'm not really raising his stock too much. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, Mojo, like I'm not, I'm not doing that anyway. But like, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I know uh, what you mean. No, yeah, but it's just, I think he's probably good enough to get drafted at this point. It seems that way, um, but it's really hard to tell. Hard to get a read on on how the NFL will value that because, like, I, I, I asked. Uh, uh, I think I mentioned this on the last week's show, like talk, talking through some things with some analytic staff on NFL teams and um, got some great feedback and learned a whole lot. And uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was one that actually got brought up when I asked the age question. It's like, well, where would they have been drafted last year? Like that, that, that is a question that really, you know, real NFL teams, not just us fantasy people ask ourselves. Interesting. Yeah. So um, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. Let's, um, Actually, uh, just give me a couple other names of, of guys that you kind of see 
um, in your own perspective, some, some rising quarterbacks, and then uh, maybe give me a couple of guys that uh, the opposite little, little bit of a, a dip in their value. Some, some concerns you sure. might have. Yeah. And then we'll move on to running back, but uh, Max Duggan has been basically good. So good that like, if you put most of his efficiency metrics into R and try to like make some kind of fun visual, um, he's literally off the charts because in order to get like all the names and logos in in a way that it looks right, uh, you have, you'd have to zoom out too far to even fit Duggan on the map. That's amazing. Uh, and so it's, yeah, it is. And so he and, and Hooker, a couple of the guys have been just off the charts good. I love and, it for Duggan too, because like we didn't think he was going to be the starter for TCU, you know? Right. I mean, I, mean, right. I didn't and think man, he was he shut be. that up. He yeah. shut that up so fast. Like, oh my gosh. And so a lot of it, again, it's it's been assisted by by jump balls from Quentin Johnston in recent weeks. It's been assisted for uh, you know, he's been assisted by some uh, uh, productive running back play and uh, uh, yak at, from the wide receiver position. We can nitpick it for sure with him, but uh, he doesn't have the the deepest a dot himself. Um, it's definitely below average, but still he's just been really fun to watch and he, he has that dual threat going for him yeah i was gonna well. say he'll he'll hit that rushing the rushing mark that you that you like to see um, yeah oh easy easy he's gonna be way up there on the rushing looks, yard market share he looks hilarious season. doing it but i'm here for it the arm pumps are just spectacular <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. i forget which game it was um i think it was like two weeks ago maybe against oklahoma state or baylor i don't remember but mm-hmm. he he broke off that long touchdown run and it was just fantastic i've been using him so much in dfs and he's finally the price is catching up um yeah but, uh, he, he's been he's been super fun um yeah. real quick he, I, go ahead um do you think um because quentin johnston is someone that would have been a faller for me and we'll talk about wide receivers in a little bit yeah. but you mentioned like these last couple of weeks man Quentin Johnston has been awesome. It's interesting to see that Duggan was able to be successful even without QJ for a while. I don't know if QJ mm-hmm. is a nickname that others use, but I do. It's just cute. And, and I like it. Um, but it's been cool seeing that he can do it both ways, really highlighting one receiver, but then also um, finding guys like uh, Darius Davis and, and others as well. Yeah, it, it really has been impressive because – he doesn't. He, he doesn't have to just go to one guy. And TCU has a really odd wide receiver rotation as is. Like they got, they got like six or seven guys that see the field here and there. So uh, frustrating for for DFS purposes, yes. uh, but uh, still fun uh, for potential uh, options in the future. I mean, besides Q, there's there's some intriguing guys after he's gone that could break out. But that's probably its own podcast right there. But yes. I mean, averaging like over six yards per carry, like he and Cameron rising another riser. Uh, yes. I mean, it. they both have been incredibly efficient. Um, I don't typically use like EPA per play with rushing because it, it doesn't really mean much. I mean, like I would love uh, my rushers to be efficient, but um, you know, typically I just want somebody that can actually hold up through a bunch of volume for as a rusher. And both of them can do that too. So uh, rising uh, has been rising up some draft awards. I think he's he's uh, not perfect and he's not the most efficient passer, but he's going to have a decent profile as well. So both of those guys are going to be you know good enough to get drafted. Uh, I just don't know where and when like what what a team actually does there. And it's it's just crazy because this year has so many quarterbacks. I think that are good enough to be drafted. If you look at their you know peak uh, passing profiles, uh, mobility thresholds, and the fact that almost half of all of FBS has a quarterback that's in year five or beyond in their career. Right, like right. since high school makes this draft class 
uh, thanks to that extra COVID year of eligibility with a bunch of people returning that probably wouldn't have. It makes it the most bizarre, deep quarterback group I've ever seen. Like, Not that they're a bunch of future NFL starters, but they're a bunch of really stinking good quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and I think that kind of plays into, like when we talk about a couple of intriguing underclassmen, um, how few like true freshmen we're seeing out there. Like if you look at the 247 Sports Recruiting Board and you just try to find your first starting quarterback, you need to scroll down all the way to like number 23 uh, and, and you get a surprising name of AJ Swan for, for Vanderbilt uh, yeah. is one of the, who, by the way, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's pretty awesome for Vandy. Um, yeah. And uh, really had Ole Miss on the ropes for a minute there with uh, Shepard. But like we haven't seen because we've seen so many of these like fifth year guys playing. We haven't seen very many freshmen get opportunities uh, just no. yet. I mean, like Owen McCown at Colorado is the only other power five one who's like seen real starts. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Like we normally see at least a few others, but this is just the oldest group of quarterbacks we've really ever seen in college football, just because of the pandemic and everything that had happened uh, with that affecting eligibility. But a few followers just to make notes, Malik Cunningham, I was higher on him. He is uh, struggling to stay healthy and having his worst year. Do you uh, think so, it's a health-related thing, or do you think there's more to the story there? Oh, I think he lost all his wide receivers too. Like he yeah. he had to. Oh, you know, speaking of wide receivers, from Tutu Atwell had a had a a sighting in the NFL last. Oh month. my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! Let's just edit that part out because like that means so little at this point. Oh my gosh! Oh man! But Lee Cunningham, I mean, he lost uh, what Jordan Watkins. Um, and Tyler Harrell, uh, who were very speedy, uh, create, created their own separation. Tyler Hudson came in from, what was it, uh, Central Arkansas State, I think, the, the, the transfer from the F- FCS level. And he's been his best option. And then his tight end, Marshawn Ford. But, man, he's just got a, a weapons problem. Uh, mm-hmm. So and the health, the weapons issue, uh, it's just been kind of gross for Malik. So sorry to say he's probably – at this point, it's it's going to be rough uh, unless he can really bounce back. His rushing efficiency is as good as ever, uh, but man, it, it it's just an odd projection at this point because his peak is so good. But I don't know what the NFL is going to think. So yeah, yeah I, I almost feel like he'll be an undrafted free agent for a scheme fit somewhere. You know, uh, someone mm-hmm. with a that that can. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's maybe too easy because of Lamar Jackson being at the same school, but Baltimore, you know. Uh, having a, a, a run game like they do, maybe getting Malik as a UDFA. But yeah, anyway. I think in most years he's drafted, but I'm not sure now. So yeah, uh, Talia Tungavaloa uh, dinged, dinged up last week. A lot of people thought it was a very serious injury. I don't think we know the fullest extent to his injury, but he re-aggravated uh, the issue uh, from earlier this year. So he's already struggling. His weapons not doing what they typically do either. And so... Uh, Tua's little brother, uh, you know, he's probably going to have to return again. And so probably not going to be drafted next year. Probably comes back to school. Uh, but, uh, yeah, any, any words on him? Because, I mean, I don't even want to talk about the wide receivers. They're gross. Well, I, I mean, I just looked down the sheet and noticed that uh, Rakeem Jarrett and, and Demas are um, they're not on your fathers list. But that might be because they've fallen so far they no longer exist yeah. in your mind. <laughs> yeah, they, they, don't, they don't exist until further notice. Like they're just... <laughs> yeah. It's been, I mean, it's been a, it's been, it's been quite a fall from grace. And then of course, uh, Tanner McKee is a guy who neither one of us was really high on, uh, Stanford having a, I mean, they did just get a, a W I suppose, but, uh, Tanner McKee has been, I mean, 
I didn't have high expectations anyway, but I know a lot of people did. And there, there was talk about him being a first round draft pick at one point. Yeah. Not by and, us. Not by us. It's but. funny. Like you say, at, at one point, I like guess two weeks ago, <laughs> like, people, people I just mean, not for us, ignoring, though. ignoring, you know, all of the evidence that we have of everything that he's ever done being incredibly mediocre. Like if you were to talk about like just his analytical profile, there isn't a single box, not one if you squint that he checks. Uh, so, you know, he's 6'6", 230 pounds. That's, that's interesting. It. That's that's, that's, that's all. it. That's yeah. the end. There's nothing redeemable about his profile that says he's going to be a first round pick. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't get it at all. Uh, so we'll see. But we are, you know, it's funny. I say that and there have been lots of uh, people interested based on a couple, uh, you know, inappropriate, inappropriately written articles. I think it's made some people confident with, with Tanner McKee. And so it'll be interesting just to see how that, how that goes. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Made me I, some, it has made me some money because people have like, because like the line is just inappropriate on Stanford because people think, Oh, they've got a great quarterback. So they'll be able to stick in this game and they can't like they're a yeah. bad team and he's not a very good quarterback. Yeah. Um, let's talk but, about some intriguing underclassmen because I want to talk about Drake may for the rest of the podcast, we won't, but I'd like to. Um, dude is phenomenal. I mean, um, I think um, Wispy and I, Matt, Matt, Matt and I were talking two weeks ago, and he has him in his like top three or four uh, college football quarterbacks right now. You said Drake May? Yeah. Well, he is one of only two quarterbacks with 24 touchdown passes this year. Uh, CJ Stroud is the Stroud, yeah. Yeah, CJ Stroud is the other one, and – by the way, do you know that CJ Stroud's touchdown percentage is 15% right now? <laughs> he has he has 24 touchdowns on 160 pass attempts. How many do you think you'd have with that wide receiver core though? <laughs> like I would have zero because I have a bum shoulder. Because <laughs> no, no, you would you would do the uh, the the jet sweep thing where they pass it forward at the okay, line. Okay, you know what? I'd have two, two or three because yeah, one of Yeah, would take it to the house. Yeah, that's fine. Just boost my stats up a little bit. Oh, man. But no, it would not be great, by the way. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's about my is, quarterback skills. Yeah. Drake, Drake May, though. Uh, yeah, he's been really fun. Uh, I mean, by every measure that you could possibly imagine, he's been incredibly efficient. And uh, so they, there are a bunch of people that are in his camp that believe he is one of the best passers already in the league. I mean, when you look at his adjusted yards per attempt, over 11 in his first uh, season. I mean, that's that's nuts. Only or only more efficient passers uh, by the most basic measures are CJ Stroud, Hendon Hooker, and then Grayson McCall because they run basically like a triple option passing offense that boosts his efficiency like crazy. And I think with Drake May, it's interesting too. Like we talk about um, like what kind of weapons Ohio State has. Uh, yeah, Drake May's got Josh Downs, but Josh Downs has missed a couple games, um, and then he's got a lot of ancillary pieces, fine pieces, but no one like spectacular um he's doing a great job of reading defenses getting the ball delivered to where it needs to be it probably helps that their defense is so terrible that they have to throw a, a million times a game and try to keep up <laughs> they, they uh, do. but so, uh, i i've i've really enjoyed drake may uh so far he's, he's been uh, definitely as far as um kind of new starting quarterbacks uh one of my favorites someone that's been um interesting and i've been a little disappointed i think the numbers have been decent but um just i watch a lot of old miss and jackson dart uh looks like a questionable decision maker at times to me 
Well, yeah, that, that, that shows up based on his, just his touchdown and interception rate, which is what, right. 11 to 6 so far this year? Like, that's just kind of, he's just like that crazy mobile gunslinger that's just going to try to fit it anywhere. And uh, that's fun. But I, I am interested to see in this era, like what the NFL thinks of that kind of, that kind of player. Because, um, I mean, he's probably what, QB three or four ish projected right now for 2024 behind Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, maybe JJ McCarthy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's just such a, a, a dual threat quarterback that fits the perfect game, the modern game perfectly. But that uh, turnover, turnover thing that needs to get cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, who are some other uh, underclassmen that you like? We mentioned well, I mean, AJ. We mentioned AJ Swan. Believe it or not, I, I like that Caleb Williams guy for USC. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be good. I, I think he he just seems like he could be better than any other quarterback in college football. I guess. <laughs> he's magical like it's just the some of the things that he does uh it shouldn't be possible like he, he just makes it look so easy uh just you know and you know spinning off you know tacklers and stuff like that and then throwing off balance and just getting absurd completions it just makes it look all so smooth so yeah looking kind of high on him yeah jj mccarthy i think is probably the top the top four now at uh, quarterback even though he's not having to do a whole lot pretty underwhelming because of that run game yeah <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, as he was quoted in saying, like, if we're going to put up like 400 rushing yards or whatever against the the 10th ranked team, I'll I'll, I'll ride along for that. Uh, You you know, all all day. Do you think, because it's hard to me, is Harbaugh holding him back? Or does Harbaugh know what he is and therefore is adjusting his play calling? I think think Harbaugh loves him. Uh, He's a super efficient passer, to be honest. It's just, uh, he, had, he wasn't perfect uh, the last couple of weeks, but I mean, uh, they're just super committed to the run game. When and they understand Blake that they have Blake Donovan Corum Edwards. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That are two and an offensive line that is good at creating uh, holes in the run game, too, on top of having two good backs. So they're just going to go with what's working. And they don't, if you do that, you don't have to show a bunch of the cards for what for the games that really matter later on, too, mm. like the, the, that are most important. Like once you got a lead, why? why why have J.J. McCarthy chuck it 40 times? You don't do you need think, to. Do you think he can? Do you think Michigan can be successful um, if they need – if they like Ohio State's going to be – it's going to – you better show up and be ready to score some points. Do you think yeah. J.J. McCarthy can keep up? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Well, nice. So. You, you've got a nice uh, little interesting name here that I wasn't expecting to see because um, I've not seen him uh, take a snap yet. Uh, Connor Wegman um, – Quarterback, Texas A&M. Yes. So, Connor Wagman, um, I believe, is going to start this weekend. Uh, that's not official yet. Uh, it's been back and forth with Haynes King. But the teammates, uh, his teammates are really confident in him. Uh, even the fellow quarterbacks on the team are very confident in him. There's, um, you know, Haynes King is apparently healthy. Uh, but uh, there's been a lot of non-committal noise from you know whether Haynes King or Connor Wagaman what what whatever that's going to happen and so it seems to me that, that this is probably the week to do it uh, coming off a, a bye and um you know and and just giving him a shot just seeing what he has because the team and the season it's it's not over uh, a coach would never say that but it's definitely not what they wanted it to be right so you know let's get some of the top overall recruiting class in college football history out on the field. How about it? You know, so Connor Weigman, if he does start this week, um, there's a good chance he's the best quarterback immediately there. I mean, given what we've seen so far, and that probably means great things 
for Devin Achain, for Evan Stewart, the, the other true freshman, their wide receiver, the, the five-star kind of wide receiver there. Uh, for all the weapons on that offense, Connor Wagman could mean good things because I think he has the highest upside and the best ability of any quarterback on that roster. So true freshman, um, you know, high expectations. So we'll see. Yeah, and they uh, they are three point favorites on the road to South Carolina. So that'd be uh, that'd be kind of a fun place. Uh, man, the the total in that game is forty four and a half. Um, Interesting. Interesting. We're not here to talk about that, though. Uh, <laughs> we have been going about 43 minutes uh, on, on quarterbacks here. Uh, why, anyone else you want to hit on before we uh, hit, hit, hit the break and uh, kind of uh, move on? Uh, no, I don't think so, because, I mean, the, the, the other positions are a little bit more easy to talk about. Quarterback is just a, it's such a complicated complex probably is the better word a position and that's where i've been living in the, the past month or so like i mean the, the player pool at mojo's got 120 quarterbacks so that, that's kind of where my mind has been yeah absolutely well let's hit the break and then on the other side we'll uh, we'll hit running backs we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back talking risers, fallers, kind of a mid-season check-in here. We just got through the quarterback position. Um, it's always fun. We can talk about Hendon Hooker and Drake May. But let's move on to uh, to the running backs. And, and we already mentioned this guy. Blake Corum um, just continues to put up numbers week after week. I mean, uh, I, I feel silly when I don't have him in a DFS lineup if it's a cash lineup at this point because he just doesn't matter how good the the, the defense is. The man is just balling out. So curious to hear your thoughts on Blake Corum uh, getting it done. Not so much uh, receiving the ball, uh, catching the ball all that much, but um, his uh, his rushing numbers are are, are are pretty dumb. Yeah, it's been pretty fun to watch, but I, I did laugh out loud for a good 30 seconds uh, when I saw the, like, the updated Heisman odds and Blake Corum was on the sheet because um, – it's a quarterback award. And so it's just hilarious. Like seeing anyone try to make any argument that there's any chance, like even like a 1% chance 
that Blake Corum is going to win. He's like third or fourth with most books right now. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Like plus 1200. Like you realize I mean, dude that, does have 913 right now, but yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, okay. That, but that's like fourth in terms <laughs> of yards from scrimmage. And the only right. reason he's on the list is because he got a bunch of touchdowns. Like, bro, right. come on. Like, come on, just, just no. So, um, it's not happening. It is a 0% chance. You are burning money, uh, betting that, that Heisman card, but that's unrelated to what we care about. I guess, um, Blake Corum is a very good running back. He's a little undersized, very fast, very shifty. We always knew that his upside was, you know, day two ish kind of range. And that's what he's really looking like. He could be a day two pick now. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been really, uh, I mean, I have a lot of Blake Corum, in a c2c and debbie league so very happy to see that dude who um man i've i've questioned a few times this year especially with the kj jefferson injuries i I thought maybe defenses would be able to hone in on rocket sanders but he has been phenomenal he's got uh you know over 800 yards seven touchdowns already on the year i know he's a guy that you like quite a bit too um what are your thoughts on him and do you think uh i do you think he could be uh, anything special again? You know, only a sophomore, only a sophomore. So yeah. um, kind of going to that uh, underclassman, we'll just jump around a little bit here. Raheem Sanders might just be the running back one for 2024. Oof. I got like Trevion Henderson is very good. Braylon, Braylon Allen is very good. Uh, Braylon Allen, a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger. Trevion Henderson, a little bit smaller, a little bit faster, shiftier. Uh, but Raheem Sanders is kind of like the perfect marriage of the two, and he could end up with m- the most yards from scrimmage in the entire country this year uh, as a true sophomore. And so if that happens, he's definitely looking like a, a top 50 overall pick in the NFL draft, uh, and pretty safely so. Yeah, and I mean, probably, he, you could actually get a lot of value on him uh, this this preseason in, in leagues, yeah. but I, I'm guessing now, um, no way. Probably a little, probably a little late to try to buy in. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I, I, like, to be honest, like I'm, I'm fine buying high right now because it's probably not high right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and so well, I mean, if you see that running back one in the as a potential outcome, then yeah, I mean, you're probably not having to pay that price at this point. Yeah, I mean, there are people. I mean, this is two years out as opposed to one year out. But right. I was just on another show yesterday uh, where uh, you know Kane. Uh, I don't know if you know, know Kane Fassell. Yeah. Uh, but he actually, uh, he was talking about how he would just trade Bijan Robinson for literally any NFL running back. Uh, or the other way around, rather. Trade any NFL running back for Bijan Robinson. Because to him, Bijan Robinson, Robinson it's, is today the running back one in the NFL, and he's not even to the NFL yet. And so there are people that believe uh, like that. And, and that I think next year, whoever that clear running back one is, is going to be similarly valued in Debbie leagues and, uh, and not that long after uh, for rookie drafts. So uh, whoever the running back one is in any given class, uh, their value is crazy. Uh, this year, Brees Hall, Brees Hall, and he's already working his way up into, Hey, is, is he the running back one overall for dynasty? And it's like six weeks or, in, or whatever into his NFL career. Right. Uh, so that, that potential for these early guys that there's just so much desire to have that elite level rookie right away and so raheem sanders looks like he's gonna be that dude i like it i'm here for it um uh running back that not many people kind of you know wasn't on many people's radar going into the year because 
Uh, no one gets many eyes on Illinois, Big Ten football. Um, you know, outside of Ohio State, people kind of tune out unless Michigan's having an up year. But uh, Chase Brown currently leads the nation in, in rush yards and uh, looks really good. And, and he's a key focal point of this offense and um, really is putting together a, a pretty complete season. I mean, I, of course, you'd like to see more touchdowns, but a lot of that's not on him. Uh, pretty, um, I mean, now that a quarterback's injured too. Uh, but Chase Brown is a, a, a player that people need to become familiar with because he is draft eligible and he is going to get some some sort of capital. What do you think it will be? Do you think it's going to be enough to, uh, like, is he someone that we should be interested in trying to acquire at this point? He's going to be the, like one of the fan favorite day three picks, you know, like he's going to put up crazy numbers, uh, going to finish top five in the nation in yards from scrimmage, uh, basically no matter what at this point. Uh, so he's going to get drafted uh, at some point day three, and he's going to probably test out at the combine, at least interesting, you know, not, he's not going to be an, an elite athlete, uh, but there's going to be a lot of people that, uh, you know, especially film grinders that really love right. Chase Brown. And so I think knowing where his stock probably settles, um, you know, you, you're going to want to try to go get him in college Kent leagues, Debbie leagues. He's probably not really rostered, but uh, he is in, in, intriguing for sure. Another dude wearing orange and blue uh, that not many people know too much about is one Sean Tucker. Um, Syracuse offense has has really taken a a step forward this year with with uh, Robert and I coming in from Virginia, and now Virginia doesn't know how to score or doesn't want to <laughs> score. I'm not sure what. But yeah, I don't think they want to. Yeah. But Sean Tucker in Syracuse, super fun, big focal point. Him and Schrader are are awful fun to watch, um, and. Uh, Tucker's been doing really well too. And another guy again, that has been kind of not a household name because he plays in upstate New York. I think that's where Syracuse is. Um, (laughs) What are your thoughts on, uh, on him? And then give me a couple of your other favorite guys uh, that you're kind of keeping an eye on. Yeah. I mean, Sean Tucker is is not going to ever be the most efficient back because he plays for Syracuse, but uh, Gary Schrader has been good for them at quarterback. And so that's helped him uh, maintain some level of production this year he's not gonna uh post the same crazy crazy numbers maybe that he did a, a year ago uh, most likely but uh what he's done is really prove that he's a fantastic pass catching back this year too uh, he did that before but it looks he looks like he's on a, a pace to have like almost 50 catches on the year which is crazy for a running back so i think at this point where I, I was not completely sold on him being the safest day two projection coming into the year. I thought he was most likely his mean, mean outcome probably lived in day two somewhere, but there was a chance he fell. I, I, I feel pretty confident suggesting that he's going to be somewhere uh, on day two at this point. Yeah, I, I I'm right there with you. I, I think he's, I think he's really, really good. And uh, one of my favorite, um, and we've been talking a little bit about um, kind of uh, production and, and measurables, but uh, one of the dudes who I think is going to skyrocket once he hits, uh, if he participates in the combine, uh, just because he's a freak athlete, is Zach Charbonnet. And he's been putting together some highlight reel uh, video as well, or tape, I think we call it. Um, thoughts on him? Again, uh, just like DTR, this this UCLA offense has been super fun. Big test coming up against my Oregon Ducks. I'm on UCLA plus six and a half. But a large part of that is because Charbonnet is just uh, just incredible. Yeah, Charbonnet, uh, it, it's good that he transferred out of Michigan, went to UCLA right. where he could feature, and uh, now he, he's really just looking 
really good. <laughs> so, uh, what, uh, like almost eight yards per touch this year, which is in terms of, uh, you know, adequate sample running backs, that's basically behind only, I think, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, so on the year, so he's having a crazy, crazy good year. So th- this running back class, uh, I know that guys like Zach Evans, because of the split with Quinton Judkins and Tank Bigsby, because Auburn's a dumpster fire, and De- Devin A. Chain, because Texas A&M has been a dumpster fire. Like there have been a few of the top names that have kind of fallen off, but there's been so many guys who have really impressed that the running back class is still in great hands uh, to yeah. be one of the better classes we've seen in the past decade. Yeah, no, it 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 really is um, awful, awful fun. And yeah, like I mean, we didn't even barely talk about Jameer Gibbs, and and he's balling out. And um, Eric Gray, uh, who many people last year had as like a really, really high RB, um, and then he kind of had a rough season. Kennedy Brooks kind of stole his job, and now uh, we see him putting up decent numbers at Oklahoma. Oklahoma scoring a lot. Again, they can't stop anyone. And I think, uh, oh, I wonder, let me ask you, instead of uh, giving my opinion, uh, do you think Oklahoma struggles, um, like pr- from a per- like the, the perception of what their team is, will hurt Eric Gray? I mean, he's the like from what I'm looking at here, like the 13th leading rusher in the country right now. Um, so, so he's he's being productive enough, and that's with fewer than a a uh, hundred carries on the year. So, super efficient. Um, what are your thoughts on Gray? Do you think he can get some draft capital after we yeah. were down on him last year? I mean, it's a new it's a new system, right? It's not the 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 Lincoln Riley system, but it wasn't. I think that did hurt the running backs before because, like Ramondre Stevenson, I remember how he finished his final year, right? Uh, you know, almost like nine hundred yards from scrimmage, I think, in six games, um, and even he failed to you know really scrape any hope at at day two capital, um, and then Kennedy Brooks, who basically had three, I think, eleven hundred yard seasons for Oklahoma, you know, spread out because he, you know, he had the year off, but, um, and he was an undrafted free agent. And so I think that definitely, uh, whatever system they were running kind of hurt things because they ran against really empty boxes quite all, quite, quite a bit, uh, during Lincoln Riley's tenure, they, they had different, uh, uh, strategies, but they ran a bunch of 10 personnel just wide open where the box is like five guys, uh, right. defender wise. And so it's really hard to, uh, identify are the yards here just because he's running a, a, at a box of like five max six defenders all day, or is it because he's actually good? And so that's probably artificially inflating the uh, efficiency for Eric Gray. Like he's like seven yards over, a carry or something. Yeah. Like over seven yards a carry is probably not just because he's that good. Uh, so he is definitely alive. <laughs> like there's a, there's a chance he has a decent draft capital uh, but he's also not like a feature huge sized guy as well. Uh, he's going to go earlier than well undrafted, uh, like Kennedy Brooks did last year. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure what the ceiling is with him. But he's definitely rising because he, he was he was super high last year. Then we left him for dead. Now he's all of a sudden in the Mexican. So that good good is good for uh, good for Eric Gray. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. A couple of freshmen that uh, we, we've talked about Judkins a little bit, but we haven't hit on uh, Penn State's Nick Singleton. Um, or even um, uh, Jaden Ott out at Cal, and then um, C.J. Donaldson, West Virginia, I believe. Um, that's Is that correct? He's coming off a concussion. I don't even know if he's going to be able to play this week. Um, I do like Tony Mathis a little bit there as a backup, but um, not near the upside that, that that Donaldson has. What are your thoughts on um, on these, these uh, freshmen? 
Nick Singleton is a first round pick, it seems. I mean, like he's he is ridiculous. He's crazy like, fast. Eventually, you treating him, would you treat him with the same kind of logic that you were talking about with like a Rocket Sanders, where you'd be willing to give up the farm for him at this point? Uh, it's a little bit too far out, okay, uh, to me. Um, and he's slowed out a little bit, but uh, and I, he needs to learn how to be a contributing receiving option because he's actually kind of screwed that up a couple of times this year. Uh, a few times this year already, but he looks like he's on a first round track for sure. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins looks like he's on top 50 get draft capital track uh, for Ole Miss already as a true freshman splitting carries with, with Zach Evans, who is himself maybe a top 50 pick, um, right, at, you know, yeah. doing so at age like 18. So crazy for Judkins at Ole Miss. Uh, but then, yeah, CJ Don- Donaldson, who was like technically an athlete slash tight end slash he never really even played tight end, but now he's running back uh, really fun for West Virginia. Uh, you know, and he wasn't even like a highly touted recruit either. He's like barely top thousand guy. And then Jaden Knott's kind of same thing. Like I think barely top 800, top 700 type, type guy, uh, but going out to Cal and immediately being like one of the most productive running backs in the country, let alone, yeah. you know, top five productive freshmen, um, the most productive freshman for a few weeks there. So really, really intriguing just to see uh, how good this, which is funny, but 2025 group of running backs That's looks crazy. already. So um, yeah, there's a bunch of guys at the high, higher pedigree schools that are uh, looking like they're already going to be replaced next year, given uh, next year's crew. But uh, next, I will say that this is probably a little bit too nerdy, but um, next year's running back crew is not deep. And two of the, two of the running backs are going to the same school as of today. Uh, and, like in Justin Haynes and Richard Young, it looks like they're both going to Alabama. So there, <laughs> there could be some lower pedigree. Um, you know, incoming freshmen that they break out kind of similar to what we saw this year with Judkins, Donaldson, and Ott, because there's only, I think, eight uh, running backs in the consensus top 200 right now, which is really low, uh, and only five inside the top 100. So um, not a great running back class next year, and this year it seems like it's pretty deep. So it uh, could be that, that that year in the cycle where it's down in 2026. Yeah. So for those of you who care, oh, Jesus, three years from next year. Yeah. <laughs> uh but anyway that's that's the weeds that i live in but i uh, love it i love it i love it so much let's uh let's move over to wide receiver here uh jalen hyatt just caught another touchdown while we were talking um yeah. i think it was two actually yeah we talked about him a little bit uh we talked about quentin johnson too he started off the season so slow mm-hmm. and then uh you could really tell a concerted effort to get him more involved these past few weeks and he has really been balling out and looking really great for TCU. Uh, Trey Palmer uh, for Nebraska just had a ridiculous game last week. Um, I uh, I was playing the night slate, and I did not have him. Therefore, I did not oh, finish. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are your That's thoughts on some of these guys? So, Jalen Hyatt, uh, I saw somebody say that he's uh, this year's Jamison Williams, and I was like, Heck yeah, retweet that crap, man. Yes, because mm-hmm. like we need somebody like that in a year yeah. that it, I've never seen such an such an odd year in terms of like the projected future first round guys uh, failing. Uh, you know, whether it's due to health or whether it's due to well, actually mostly health because because <laughs> it's like Josh Downs missed a couple weeks. Uh, Jordan Addison's gonna miss some time. Uh, Keishon Boutte's coming off two ankle surgeries. Uh, Quentin Johnston was an absolute zero for like five weeks, and now he's magically back. Uh, J, you know, JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba has missed time. All, yeah. all the guys, all the guys, like 100% of the guys that we were projecting for first-round capital next year 
have missed time or have been absolute garbage <laughs> for uh, a few weeks at a time. And so in a year where like the top 20 producers in all of college football are a bunch of random, no name school nothings that are not going to get drafted. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun to see like somebody emerge like Jalen Hyatt catching five touchdowns against Alabama. I, I haven't looked it up yet, but how many times do you think like a wide receiver, a single wide receiver has caught five <laughs> receiving oh, no. touchdowns against Alabama? Like somebody has to have already had that stat. But That's so crazy. It, it is insane. And he's already up to 10 touchdowns on the gear. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like he, he's already got, uh, you know, like in terms of his important metrics, like his dominator rings around a 30 percent. Um, if you value weighted dom- dominator more, it's already up to 34 percent. So by the metrics, he's having a fantastic breakout year. Uh, and absolutely. Uh, he's in the mix for early, 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 early draft capital, because I think there's going to be a couple weird ones, given how gross the top options have been well yeah and you 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 did mention some some kind of strange names that maybe we didn't see coming um from random schools and i see you rocking that purdue hat uh and charlie charlie jones wants us to talk about him I'm, and i'm sure you do too yeah i mean try at, at some point like one of the one of the good wide receivers from purdue has to do something in the nfl right um, <laughs> uh, i mean no rondell Moore, david bell got my hopes up and I, I still am not very confident confident that it's going to be Charlie Jones, um, but he's already basically doubled his production at Iowa right. last year, <laughs> uh, like in half a season. So bravo to him to plugging in and just immediately being the wide receiver one for Purdue. Uh, so that, that's been cool to see. Uh, but he's definitely been rising because he went from completely undraftable to you know early day three kind of projection. Uh, so crazy to see him. But you know players like Allie Jennings, Old Dominion, who struggled with drops. I'm not really excited about him. Keelan Stokes, who's like 40 years old from Tulsa. Um, you know, Isaiah Winstead, East Carolina. Dante about, Cephas, Kent State. Like, I'm not interested in these guys at all. Like, what about, there are some others. Xavier Hutchinson, who, if he doesn't have that drop, is up over 800 yards with six touchdowns on the year. Yeah, uh, I, I am intrigued not. by him, actually. Uh, I, I do like Xavier hog. Hutchinson. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I think he, he deserves some draft consideration. But I mean, like guys on the show sheet anyway, Trey Palmer, you mentioned him, like he's just going to be uh, like all year long. He's going to be that guy. He's got that speed. The and you NFL mentioned speed. him, you mentioned him early, early on this year as someone yeah, to keep an I'm, eye on. Maybe just mentioned him in the preseason just because yeah. of some stuff that Casey Thompson had actually said. Some of the coaches had said, um, I think Thompson had, had actually talked about him being the fastest wide receiver he'd ever thrown to, and he had thrown to Xavier Worthy. So yeah. uh, that was uh, notable for sure. Uh, so Trey Palmer, I don't know what to do with him for Debbie or college again purposes, but um, he's definitely going to get drafted, probably fifth round, sixth round at this point. So um, good on him. Yeah. Uh, no, that that's super fun. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I want to throw a couple of random guys who are producing that I'm just curious because um, yeah. they play for some smaller schools, but Zakari Franklin for UTSA putting together a nice year. Um, someone that uh, you know I, 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 I've used quite a bit in, in DFS, of course. And then uh, Jacob Cowing uh, for Arizona. Um, do you think either of these guys um, get a little bit of action in the NFL? Do you think they have the opportunity to uh, put themselves in a position to succeed? Jacob Cowing is like that perfect fifth round uh, option that uh, you know has like a potential Jamison Crowder career arc. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's kind of where he probably slots in. Uh, I don't really have any interest in the UTSA guys. Um, yeah, they, they'll both make 
uh, you know, the, the draft season bowls and have uh, hype for a second, but they're sixth or seventh round kind of talents. Uh, but more intriguing guys to me, uh, like at the uh, probably like, uh, you know, Rashi Rice uh, for SMU. Uh, like he was, in, in my opinion, he was better than Danny Gray. He wasn't as fast as Danny Gray, but he was better than Danny Gray as far as like being a well rounded wide receiver. And Danny Gray just had day, what was it, round three? Capital San Francisco uh, to the 49ers. Yeah. So that's that's something to me. Like SMU, NFL clearly loves what they have going on right now. Uh, so Rashi Rice is probably somebody who actually gets some capital when it's all said and done. He's up to, you know, 761 receiving yards uh, through halfway, just halfway through the season. Um, and if you care about uh, the meaningful metrics, is, is yards for team pass attempts, right? It's like up to three, which is like average for NFL wide receivers that, that get drafted is two, two and a half. So three is plenty good to project NFL success uh, by the numbers. His dominator rating is more than adequate, well above 30%. Uh, so yeah, Rashi Rice is a guy I'm definitely interested in. But power five guys, just other risers. Marvin Mims is finally like taking on some volume. Like he's actually up to you know, 25, 26% dominator, uh, weighted dominator. Zay Flowers, Boston College, has been killing it. I guess third year in a row now for him. And then the duo at Washington, I'm sure you see them on TV even more than I do. Right. But Rome Odunzi and uh, Jalen McMillan, uh, man, that's an awesome one-two punch that Michael Penix gets to throw to. And and both of them, I think, could, could get drafted inside round five, four, or maybe round four and, and better. Yeah, and, and McMillan's been like kind of a target hog and, and uh Odunze um also really good. I, I like both those guys too. Um let's let's kind of look at some of the underclassmen here because uh I think this is a really, really fun group. Uh can I start with uh one of my uh one of my favorites uh, uh is um I mean who do you pick when you look at that um Ohio State um wide receiver room? Uh, Mecca Egbuka is 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 my favorite of the underclassmen, um, but I'm happy to hear uh, your thoughts there and just kind of kind of walk around the league here and uh, and tell me um, some of the guys you're excited about. Well, yeah, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, they are the truth, <laughs> and yeah. so I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, what both of them uh, do at the NFL. And, and it's just fun to see Marvin Harrison. Seriously, Marvin Harrison Jr. is somehow old enough already to almost be in the league. <laughs> Like he's not eligible until 2024, uh, but what he's doing uh, is just incredible. Like already up to nine touchdown receptions this year uh, for Ohio State. Um, you know, look, looking like he's already taken out 30% of the offense there. Abuka definitely a different kind of profile, faster, shiftier, but you know, even a better do- dominator kind of profile. Uh, and and with him, it's like his yards per team pass attempt, like the most meaningful singular. You don't have to do anything to it, kind of receiving metric. Uh, he's got 3.72 yards per team pass attempt, which is good for more than a half yard better than anyone else in the 2024 draft class. Uh, so that's really promising. He's looking like the uh, potential. I mean, he was he was basically the wide receiver one in his recruiting class already. So it's, it's no surprise. It's not like, oh, my gosh, where did he come from? Okay. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I'm really excited for both of those guys. Uh, but now that uh, Jordan Addison is going to be dinged up, not 100 percent Mario Williams in that class. He's probably like going to be asked yeah. to step up even more so for USC. Uh, and ha- it helps having Caleb Williams as your quarterback. So yes. he could actually have a decent profile. And then, of course, you know, Xavier Worthy is going to still uh, bay forever, uh, Texas. But, uh, you know, those are the obvious top 2024 guys that 
I'm really looking forward to seeing their top 50 capital or better. Um, those, those are the safest projections for sure. Yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this freshman class? I was, I was excited to see what like Luther Burden and Evan Stewart, who you mentioned earlier, um, was the top yeah. two guys in the class. And so far, I mean, not too much, but again, you've got, um, was it Cook? Uh, at Missouri, uh, throwing him the yeah, football. Yeah, Brady Cook. He's not, not, yeah, been, then, not been great. No, and then in Texas A&M, we, we've talked about kind of the, their offensive struggles. So do you put that more on the offenses slash quarterbacks that they're working with, or is there any yeah. concern with some of the, the, the top-tier um, top freshman wide receivers? Yeah, Evan Stewart is essentially the wide receiver one for Texas A&M already, which is, which is good. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to knock him at, at all. Like, he's – uh, fighting through a gross offense and um, you know, lots of disappointment as a whole, uh, but he's not been bad. Like he's not been the problem. So I'm not, uh, not really worried about him. I think once they figure out the quarterback position, um, maybe figure out how to get the ball to wide receivers, uh, that would be good. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, he's, he's basically um, already kind of working his way into uh, a role where he's getting a lot of snaps. And so, um, yeah, I think he, he's, he's definitely somebody that I'm, I'm excited about long-term still very much. What about uh, Kobe Prentice, Alabama? Um, we've been wondering what was going to happen with this wide receiver room for, for, for a while now going into, I mean, last year we had questions about what was going to happen. This year we've had questions about what was going to happen. Uh, Prentice seems to be kind of carving out a nice little role for himself there. Uh, do you think that he becomes um, the the go to guy, the, the the receiver you want long term from this Alabama, uh, this Alabama team? Uh, could you say that again? I'm sorry, I, we just lost lost connection there for a sec. I think Kobe Prentice um, at Alabama. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've had a lot of questions about what to expect from the Alabama wide receiver room for 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 two years now, um, and uh, and he he seems to be carving out a role for himself. Um. Yeah, Kobe Prentice, uh, one of the funniest things that I saw him do was uh, Bryce Young kind of rolling out, uh, tried to throw the ball away, uh, and, and actually... <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. He came back and got it. Yes. He came back and got it. It was like it was going out of bounds. Kobe Prentice just high points it and gets both his feet in bounds and just <laughs> yeah, steps out like amazing. just so that casually, <laughs> making it look so easy. It's like, how in the world did you just... I, I don't even know like I, the awareness that you have to have uh, to kind of make that kind of play. And to do it as a, a true freshman and to uh, basically earn a high snap percentage as a true freshman is, is an Alabama no less. They've got like, right. like 10 guys who are high pedigree guys that you're competing with for snaps and you get on the field right away. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of his his uh, upside. I, I think he's probably more of a – in the pros, maybe – a a lower snap percentage guy, but to be uh, what he is already in that offense is, is a blast. So um, I think Ja'Cory Brooks is still the highest upside wide receiver on the team. And that hasn't changed. Jermaine Burton has been very mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Treshawn Holden is still, regardless of how many targets they want to throw his way is just not a great wide receiver. Uh, Every time his, he drops the ball, I just think of when you accidentally called him trash on Holden. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was Freudian slip. That, that, yeah, he has three drops on the year already. Not great, um, and he's he's seeing his role kind of diminish a little bit. And Jacory Brooks and Kobe Prentice are uh, taking a step beyond everybody else on the team. So really, the answer is it's Kobe, Kobe Prentice and Jacory Brooks that are the guys on that offense. I think moving forward, 
um, through the air. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Uh, I was really worried about McMillan um, for uh, Arizona uh, just because of that offense last year. But man, Jaden Delora has, uh, has, has kind of pumped some life and he's already got six receiving touchdowns, almost 500 yards receiving. Uh, looks like he's off to a nice start um, as yeah. well. Uh, so any other, any other, um, any other receivers you want to talk about? Absolutely. Because this uh, freshman crew is, uh, incredible. Um, I don't want, I don't want to hype them up too much, but, uh, Antonio Williams, uh, Clemson, I mentioned him before, right? He is probably, I mean, I think I'm, yeah, he's probably my wide receiver one among freshmen this year. Uh, I, I was, I was not joking when I think it was August that I said, Antonio Williams is going to be the Xavier worthy of this uh, particular class. And, um, and ha- I didn't, you know, it, you're not going to always see the, the crazy level of production that Xavier Worthy did last year, but uh, Antonio Williams is, is already that dude. Like, you know, like he's just, he's, he's that, that crazy high snap count and it's, and it's getting higher and higher every week. And in terms of his actually pr- actual production, being able to, to separate um, he's had, uh, you know, Tons of targets. He's actually not leading the team in the targets yet, but he's trending in that direction. 24 catches compared to the next person on the team being at 18 catches. Uh, so once he really grows up and continues to develop uh, you know, that connection with DJU, I think by the end of the season, he could have oh, yeah. close to 1,000 yards. And so as a true freshman, that's about all you can really ask for. Uh, so, yeah, wide receiver one in this class, Antonio Williams. Uh, you know, Evan Stewart still very much in that mix. I still definitely like Luther Burden, uh, McMillan, you mentioned, but Barry and Brown is, is, is for Kentucky and Dane Key for Kentucky. Like that duo, like how many times have we seen like a, right. a true freshman Kentucky wide receiver duo to, to be excited about? Like never. Uh, so <laughs> Barry but when, Brown. But when Kentucky's been making plays, it's, I feel like it's Dane Key almost like he has been su- such a big play guy for them. Um, yeah, he's been key, like on some big, deeper plays. Barry Brown has been like the volume play. Did you uh, hear what recently? You just said? I'm sorry. You said Dane Key has been key for those. He guys. has been exactly. <laughs> I exactly. Had to, I had to point it yeah, out. I mean, like Cam Rising has been rising, yeah. and Dane Key's been key. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, Absolutely. And, Bur- and Burden has been a burden. I don't know. That's a stretch. Uh, Bur- <laughs> yeah, on your roster so far. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but the thing is. Who do you think is leading leading at targets, by the way, for Kentucky, right, so far? Oh, I have no idea. No no idea? Like, you you can't take a guess. I mean, I would get. I mean, the only (laughs) – I don't watch Kentucky because it's miserable. Okay. Well, Um, I'll stop messing around. is the only dude I see uh, making plays when I'm watching. Barry Brown has 11 more targets than Dane Key. Barry Brown is a local kid. Uh, from Nashville area. I'm from, you know, Middle oh, that's Tennessee. Right. I mean, yeah. I've, I've lived downtown, like very close to, uh, not not far from where he went to uh, high school uh, for a long time, a, a couple of years there anyway. And uh, he, coming up, he was just this freak of an athlete. Uh, if, if you follow high school football around the Nashville area, you knew who Barry and Brown was because teams were just like, he was just a legend as a return man immediately as like a 15 year old kid. Um, I think he, I think it was a one, about one third of his kick returns and pump returns. He ran back for touchdowns as a sophomore yeah. and basically teams were just like, yeah, never again. We're not, we're not doing that. We're not going to kick, kick to you ever again. And so it was no surprise uh, that he immediately became one of the most electric return men in all of college football as a true freshman. And so he's been posting crazy uh, return stats. Uh, and on top of that, 
uh, already has 24 catches as a, as a true freshman on 37 targets through seven weeks uh, as the clear wide receiver one for them uh, in terms of, uh, you know, target share and uh, worked in that way in snaps and the return. It's just, he is a dynamic monster. So he's in the conversation for wide receiver two or three or four in this class as well. So those, those guys, that's probably it in terms of uh, the upside freshman, but man, uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's let's take like 14 seconds on 14 seconds. Um, <laughs> we saw Dalton Kincaid just have an absolute career game last week for Utah against USC, definitely putting his name on the map. Um, ph- phenomenal, phenomenal game. Coming, you know, stepping in for um, for the injured Kuthi. Is that how you say his name? Um, and yeah. then uh, your followers, you have uh, uh, Jurasek from Stanford. Um, you know, we talked about Tanner McKee and Stanford struggles already, but. Um, there, there, there's a couple of tight end names. Uh, Kincaid, do you think that he um, is able to kind of use this opportunity to leverage himself uh, into some draft capital? Yeah, we basically had one tight end that, that was seeming like he was in, intriguing for next year's class in terms of really early capital. Like several that are like good enough to get drafted, that's fine. But um, Kincaid seems like the obvious tight end two candidate now behind Michael Mayer for uh, Notre Dame. So yeah, that, that's that's super fun. Uh, yeah, Benjamin Yarosik has, has been really, really disappointing uh, yeah. this year. Uh, so that that sucks. But Brock Bowers uh, is still the prize of all tight ends in Absolutely. college, and it's really not remotely close. <laughs> um, and so that's that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, Darnell Washington actually probably gets drafted too. That's um, so crazy how that 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 tight end room is dumb. I mean, it is. It's insane. But they they both probably get drafted. Next spring, I mean, Darnell Washington's a six foot seven, two hundred sixty pound, just monster of a man. That's, I mean, he he rem, it reminds me of the fact that you know, like Trey McKitty uh, for Georgia was just a really good blocker and an okay receiver. He didn't have crazy numbers at Georgia, but it was Georgia, and he was Trey. You know, he 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 got drafted way too high, but Washington probably deserves to be drafted way too high. So I would say he he could sneak into day two as well. Uh, but Jadavion Sanders is uh, the other underclassman. Uh, that's an obvious name to throw in the mix because Texas. he was, yeah. I mean, and if, if he was actually a, um, rather than being like an athlete designation, if he was an app, like a tight end designation instead of an athlete designation, he would be one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated tight end prospect uh, of all time. And so uh, coming into college. And so, yeah, I mean, he, it, it makes sense that now he's, he's kind of killing it. Uh, for Texas as like the the second receiving option on the team, so and always cheap on DFS, which I love. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, he he already has five touchdowns. Yeah, uh, like twenty eight catches. Uh, again, se- second in targets on the team. That so, OU game really. I mean, he looked so good against OU. Uh, really, yeah. put, really gave him that that national spotlight that that he deserves. Yeah, I think so. By the way, I think that was probably like 147 seconds, but that probably counts. That was probably good. I think we talked about like 50 or 60 or 1,000 players on this show yep. uh, for the midseason checkup or check-in or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, this it's is college, awesome. man. I could talk college for another two hours, but yeah, Absolutely. it's one uh, fifteen in the morning for you, uh, 11.15 p.m. for me. So we, uh, we must move on. But yeah, man, it is always good slowing down, uh, talking some college football with you and especially like uh, with your, with your new role, it's, it's fun getting some insight into uh, kind of what you're seeing on your end as well. Cause it, uh, it really does help um, kind of give us a, a bigger and, and kind of a unique 
insight into some of these players. So definitely appreciate, uh, always appreciate talking to you about football. Absolutely. Let's do a 24 hour marathon at one point here. Oh, soon, dude, okay. Just dude. college football nonstop. I love it. I love it. I need my second screen. My second screen's not working tonight. So I'll definitely need that. <laughs> if we go into something, uh, some sort of madness like that. But, um, Thank you guys all so much for listening to the show. You can uh, do us a huge solid uh, by uh, giving us a rating and review. Um, Of course, we'll be back with you next week with uh, an NFL-focused episode. In the meantime, uh, do follow us on Twitter. You can find him at FF underscore Travis M. I'm Stefan LeCoe. Hit us up with any questions that you might have. Um, Of course, you can find – well, actually, uh, I'm not going to speak for you. I don't know where where where's your work able to be found these days, Travis? What are, we, has, what are you doing that, up? What are you up to right now with uh, that? Has narrowed. Goals? I will yeah. say it's been it's been. Uh, I I definitely am gonna miss like first off like Rotoviz was amazing and giving me an opportunity to just have complete flexibility and control over my content um, and allowing me to to give me a platform to create my own predictive modeling that actually ended up helping me get this job like that I'm working now for Mojo because. Um, a lot of people, there's a little bit of confusion. Like they think I'm in like this contributor role, like that I have been for Rotoviz, but that's really not it at all. Like I'm not going to be doing a whole bunch of, bunch of written stuff uh, frequently. Um, I'm, I'm going to be basically ghostwriting because uh, there's a little bit of a conflict of interest with me, uh, like giving advice as the guy who kind of builds the pro- like the pricing models for the college side to, to right. also be giving advice, like. Hey, I know the algorithm, so target these guys. <laughs> right, right. Um, but you know, like all the modeling experience uh, mixed in with the, the analytics and business analytics and stuff that I did for my MBA, um, like it was it was great. It just worked out, and Rotoviz basically prepared me to do this full time, which was incredible. So I am uh, incredibly grateful to uh, Blair Andrews, who really helped hone in my craft and helped me get uh, get better at uh, um, just understanding the the the, the depths of uh, predictive statistical modeling and um, yeah, so huge help there. But Sean Siegel, you know, just uh, and, and Curtis Patrick and the whole team, uh, just, it's been awesome. But I'm not going to be really doing written content uh, there at all anymore. Keeping the podcast because I can't live without you. Uh, uh, me and uh, the listeners. I'm assuming you meant me, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean, I mean you and the <laughs> listeners too. You guys are cool, but uh, uh. But, you know, solid verbal, like I just shout out to them, like the podcast, they, they've been podcasting for like 15 years for college football stuff. And yeah, they, awesome. they let me do stats work that I, I pitched stuff to, that would end up on the show. They gave me my own weekly column that they're like, hey, man, you do whatever you want to do and just make it awesome. And so like that, that also um, helped uh, me land this job. And so I've, I've thanked Ty and Dan because like it was just it just completely incredibly uh, an honor and, and valuable experience to um, work for them. But, uh, now really I'm not doing written content, which is actually like, as much as I'm going to miss the, the, the discussions with some Rotovis folks in that regard. And I will be helping with the like rookie guide stuff for sure. Uh, but I think, uh, due to conflict of interest stuff, uh, with, uh, there's just, you know, getting words down in print with my name detached, yeah. attached to them with, uh, players and that are in our stock market is a little weird. Um, so yeah, so that, that's a little funky. So it really is just here uh, that you'll hear my voice. And then uh, I'm pitching a bunch of stuff to our writing team at Mojo, but you'll never know if it's me or not. So <laughs> perfect. good luck figuring that out. Well, I guess we're just going to see a huge spike in traffic then. So if you want to listen, if you want to know what Travis is thinking, you've got to come here 
uh, to get it. Um, of course, you can follow um, you can follow this podcast. We have our own feed, the College uh, to Campus feed. Of course, you can also find us on the Road of His main feed um, a day later, usually. But man, Travis, it's so good talking football. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for this upcoming week. Lots of lots of in- in- intrigue. Um, I hope I'm wrong about Oregon, but I, I think UCLA pulls the upset there. Yeah, I, I hope that they don't for your sake, but they're, they're looking pretty good right now, man. Like, yeah. I, I would definitely be scared knowing that Bo Nix is my quarterback, oh, and knowing what he can do when things start looking too good. So <laughs> good uh, I'm luck. just glad in this risers and fallers uh, conversation, Bo Nix uh, finally gets mentioned at a, do- at a dollar, an hour 25 um so (laughs) yeah all right y'all thank you so much for listening we'll be back with you uh in a week um i have a good one enjoy all the football and um i don't know how else to sign off we'll talk to you later everyone is talking about magnesium It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.